Howard James Allen is not here this week to defend his spurious comments about Addie Newhue and Marco Matias. We will soldier on on the Owls Americas Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and this week I am drinking uh, Buffalo Trace on the rocks with a few dashes of Orinoco bitters. I'm trying to finish a 1.75 liter handle of Buffalo Trace that has been hanging out in my house for a while. It's a very American affair this week, as our lone British compatriot, Patty Jones, is outnumbered. But Patty, what are you drinking? Um, again, I am uh, not bought any alcohol for about five weeks now, so uh, I am drinking leftovers again, and it's rum and coke this week. What rum? Uh, it's just a Bacardi. Yeah, it's not very fancy. Yeah, it's just, not very fancy. It's fine. Also online this week is Evan Skelter. Evan, what are you drinking? I'm along with you. I have uh, some bourbon, still on Maker's Mark, just like last week. Uh, although I am jealous of your Buffalo Trace, I am uh, quite a fan of that distillery and uh, the Buffalo Trace selection. So, good stuff. I was very happy because my local had Weller 12 in yeah, stock. Yeah, of course. Which is yeah. essentially just Pappy Van Winkle 12 that they stick in the back of the distillery. <laughs> it's like They don't yeah. get the good barrels, essentially. But it's quite good. Also on the line, a third American. There's three Americans on the show again this week. Luke Andrews Hacken. Luke, what are you drinking? I am drinking Cooperstown, Cooperstown, New York's finest Omegon brewery, Lovely Dark and Deep, an oatmeal stout. I haven't Um, had that one. Is that new-ish? It's a winter seasonal, so Mm. it might not be all over the place yet. The winter Um, seasonal, didn't they used to do a, they had a winter seasonal I liked a lot. It was more of a uh, traditional Belgian dark ale, but I don't remember what it was called. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head myself. Well, and me Googling it furiously on my phone does not make for good radio, so we'll soldier on with this episode. We have two matches to cover. A exciting, sort of, FA Cup fourth round win over Reading. A much, much more boring draw away to Middlesbrough. We have an interview with Wednesday play-by-play commentator Rob O'Neill. We'll also have some Wednesday news on the transfer window closing. The WhatsApp group is furiously informing me that as we start recording, there's breaking news coming from the club. We're starting recording literally 22 minutes before the transfer deadline over in merry old England. It's bullshit. Paul's just having us on. There's no way there's no breaking news. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not hopeful for breaking news. I mean, the breaking <laughs> news, news coming up it. is literally from the official Wednesday Twitter. So I'm staring really? at the tweet right now. Yes. Breaking is in all caps, too. All right, so we, we, we will break the news live on air, wherever it is. I mean, you already know by the time you're listening to but this. But one morning later. It take me time yeah. to record and edit this. <laughs> we have got our fingers on the pulses. Where's, where's my air horns? You will get our you live reactions, air. if nothing else. And we have some uh, broader Owls Americas news coming up later in the show as well. We will start with a easy FA Cup win against Reading. We rolled out. Is this is is Yas Luhuke focusing on the cup, Evan? Because this lineup sure seems like the uh, the better lineup that we saw this week. Yeah, I mean it's working, isn't it? Um, what else does he have to focus on at this point? You know, if you have young guys uh, like we've had out there uh, lately, you know, all our guys are injured. Um, they they have to have something to play for, and what what better way to get them amped up than to say, hey, look, we're gonna make a run in this cup. Uh, and, and you have a chance to play at Wembley. You have a chance to uh, play in the in Europe next year. And you know why not? Why not go for it? And I think uh, it's it's evident from the side that he's put out that it's important to to him to to perform well. And uh, as far as like financial fair play stuff goes, and obviously we did a podcast all about that last week. Uh, there's a fair amount of money. They've been selected for uh, TV. You get money for winning each round. A Wembley Cup run could actually help the club's finances, Luke. Yep, that's totally, totally true. And and that's the state any, we're at now. But that's the state we're at. Yeah, any doll or any any pound coming in, I suppose, is uh, is good, good bit of business. All revenue, be all revenue. At. Sorry, you'll keep uh, mentioning the revenue word over and over again if you talk about financial fair play. It's no, all about money true. coming in. Yeah. Is that the excited you've got to get, though? You've got to get excited about the uh, 500 grand, possibly, uh, that's going to come in from uh, winning the fifth round FA Cup. I mean, I mean that's, that's, I'll take that's it. That's Joey Pelopesi right there. 
if uh, <laughs> transfer rumors are to be believed. Yeah, I suppose so. Patty, do you want to take a bow for uh, suggesting that Addy and Marco Matias are the strike pairing of the future? <laughs> I want to say future, but they're definitely the strike the, pairing. The of near right future. Now. <laughs> the immediate <laughs> yeah. future. They're definitely the most. I mean, I said it last week and the week before, probably too. Um, they're our most informed strikers. You've got to play them, I think, in the league too. Um, they deserve that. Unfortunately, I, th- I think Marco was uh, already injured again. Um, but in the cup game, uh, again, they linked up really well. It works with that big man and the fast playing up, fast player playing off him. Uh, and again, it was another uh, great performance by both of them. Atty took his goals really well. Uh, Marco should have had a couple himself, uh, if we're honest. Um, some great little footwork towards the end, but then just placed the ball wide. Um, but yeah, I think they should be our number one, number two strike force. Assuming New Hugh doesn't end up in Sunderland in the next 22 minutes. <laughs> I, think, I think that's definitely off. I'm trying, I mean, to, I'm trying to adjust to living in a world where New Hugh and Matthias are top pair striker at the top. Like it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I guess. Yeah, I was, tra- I never... I was trying to decide what shirt to wear to meet up this Saturday. And I had been leaning for one of the New York Owl shirts, but I think we're going with the Addy one. That's a good call. It's yeah, a good call. He's, and that said, he probably won't start, and they'll start like Jordan Rhodes in a six-one-two-one formation or something. <laughs> to be fair, though, I don't think Atty should start unless Matthias is starting against him. I don't think we've got anyone with the. I don't think even Atty and Joao play well together. What we've seen of them so far, I know they haven't had a lot of time together. But I just no, feel he, like that that combination of Matthias and Atty work so well together. Yeah, and Atty seems to play the the lone striker role a little better. Uh, just to kill off a game, just to hold the ball up and not... Yeah, you know. it's not really the starting formation you want if you want to score goals, is it? Well, he, <laughs> he, he, works, he works so hard, and I know we, we mention this all the time, and it, it's no uh, it's no secret that he works hard, but you get a guy like that, you, you know, he's big, he can hold up play like Luke said, and then, you know, at the end of the match, he's still got a ton of energy to run around and, and wreak havoc on the, the opposing team's back line. Uh, he's perfect, and it's so weird to say it, but... Um, I I truly, you know, not, not only is he a great player, but I, I just appreciate who he is. You know, he's, he's struggled to get matches and every time he does, he makes the best of it. And, uh, he's kind of earned himself and played himself into a, a big role with the club. And I, I couldn't be prouder of the guy. I was joking around with a friend of mine, but you know, if, if Chelsea's in the market for a big, cheap target man, and there's no bigger target man out there than Eddie Newhue. <laughs> I think they, uh, I think they make jerseys that'll fit him. To be honest with you, it's entirely possible. <laughs> Although they have just bought Giroud fifteen million quid, so I'm not quite sure they want Atsy as well now. There were a few other changes in the squad, and uh, our cup goalkeeper Cameron Dawson went in. Luke and looked uh, like our third choice keeper is just as good as our first choice keeper at this point. Yeah, we've got two uh, two young academy goalkeepers who seem to be able to keep um, making good good use of their time on the field and you know it's it's kind of annoying i went to look up like how many saves he had because when i watched the game i swear i was like oh dawson had you know three or four good saves and of course it's impossible to find like the kind of box score stats for the fa cup um at least in any of the places that i could look for them um and at the same time i noticed that uh the highlights from that game aren't on the fox sports website which I find incredibly frustrating because they've got every other game from that round, but not the one from ours. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. I can't imagine why Reading against Sheffield Wednesday wasn't high on their priority list to get highlights (laughs) up from. It's just like, oh, yeah. We're still in a a small business market, I guess. You say that, but they've just signed up for uh, our next round, which could be the the barnstormer of Sheffield Wednesday versus Notts County. So Fox Sports clearly see something in our um, way we're playing at the moment. I, I think if they put that on, on national TV, they will have um, one of the best moments of TV ever. <laughs> well, no, no one's going to be awake for that match. Fair Outside enough. of Wednesday fans and any Knotts County supporters that might be in the United States, no one's going to be awake. So <laughs> it'll, be, yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, just, just throw it on for us. Is, uh, is, is, do, do Dr. Ho and commercials run on Fox Sports too? Because I guess he's running that <laughs> instead of... Uh... The Wednesday FA Cup game against Notts County. 
Call Doctor Who for back problems. I, I do have a quick question though. Are um, are magpies a prominent bird in England? Because I, I had never heard of magpies until I got into to football and uh, what is it Newcastle that are the magpies? I think. Uh, yeah. No, is the, that, I, are they prominent? As the token British guy today, I think I can take that question. Yeah, uh, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, they're relatively prominent. Definitely more prominent than they are in America. Uh, have you ever seen one here? Because I haven't. Don't think so, no. Aren't magpies uh, sorry, just ravens, sorry, or is there some sort of like species no, they're, difference? They're, they're a different species. They're, okay. um, yeah, they're very, the only place I've ever really seen them is in um, Seoul, oddly. Seoul, Korea. They're all over that city. Okay, okay there, there's, your ornithology, there's your ornithology lesson for this week. Of course, the reason the game's on TV is that there's a potential return of Carlos Carvajal to Hillsborough. Are we excited about this? Is it too soon? Are we just looking for a, a, a tasty, winnable home tie against a team that might be focused on the league right now? No, nah, I mean, give me Carlos or give me death at this point. You know, we, we have to have something fun to watch. The FA Cup's fun enough. For us at this point, you know, we're in the fifth round. Uh, you bring in Carlos and, and everyone gets excited about that, right? I mean, that's going to be um, a fantastic storyline. It'll be fun to see him back. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't wait for it. There yeah, I agree. There's two camps forming on Twitter about this. People that want to forget Carlos ever existed and don't want to hear his name ever again, mainly because he's doing quite well at Swansea. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other camp, which is like, yeah, sure, bring him on. It'll be fine. It'll be like a dramatic kind of uh, storyline, which it is at the end of the day. He's ex-manager. I am kind of puzzled, again, by Twitter, as what kind of reaction he's going to get at Hillsborough. What do you guys think kind of reaction he's going to get? Well, I think think those of us with level heads understand that he did a lot of good for us. Um, Maybe stuck around a little bit too long, and his exit took... Uh, his exit was a lot more delayed than we we have liked. But uh, uh, look, I, honestly, I think you're going to get 25, maybe maybe 20 percent of of fans trying to boo and start you know, terrible chants about him. And I think the rest of them will uh, will stand, clap, and and appreciate what he's done for us. I, at least that's what I hope happens. Um, yeah, it's it's silly. It's silly at this point to to hate the guy. I can't think of a single bad chant that you can start against carlos i mean like what are you gonna make fun of oh so they'll, they'll figure it out don't worry <laughs> i guess that's true yeah is the, uh, the changing hairline maybe uh, <laughs> is there I mean, periodization i think <laughs> if this was like the oh, league no. cup next year there'd be enough distance where we'd be like oh it's carlos is back that's great i think because it's still it's still a little bit of a fresh wound so i do understand uh that point of view, I don't feel like it's necessary to boo him, but I do understand the the fans that were, you know, <laughs> that had to watch the last six months of his football up close and personal. Are you a, are you a politician, Jeff? Am I a politician? I am <laughs> yeah, not a politician. You sure either. sound like one at the moment. I'm oh, I can saying. certainly understand why these people are completely aggravated and throwing pitchforks. I'm going to bring this a, nice man. Trying to bring. Owls talk and everyone else together. Oh, good, good, <laughs> good luck. luck. That one. Yeah, yep, that's a, a noble quest you've taken. <laughs> so that's the FA Cup match. We can move on now to the midweek game at Millsborough. Patty, uh, while Carlos may claim to have never set up for a 0-0 draw in his time at Wednesday, I think Yas uh, went right for it. For the old nil-nil with this formation. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone's quite surprised. I mean, I think even like every game now is surprised like the names on the team sheet appear because it's like we haven't sent some king yet that our first team is injured. Every time like our, our team sheet comes out, it's like, oh, fuck. We've got Butterfield. We've got Liam Palmer. Morgan Fox is still there for some strange reason. And you've got some youth guys in, in uh, defence. Everyone really gets shocked. But when it's like a 5-4-1 and those players... Uh, it was even an even bigger shock this time. And it, I think this is something we're going to have to come to kind of like get used to, especially with Yoss, when we're in these desperate times where we haven't got the playing staff to uh, to uh, facilitate a good way of playing football at the moment. Away from home against Borough, who, let's be fair, they're doing all right at the moment. Not like the uh, uh, 
the biggest threat in the world, especially at home. But I think desperate times call for desperate measures. And five four one, uh, I think it did enough to kind of throttle any attacking threat they had. We looked a little bit shaky at times. We rode our luck at times, but I think the formations he's chosen so far in his reign has been spot on. I mean, if he hasn't um, closed the opposition down uh, with the talent we've got on the pitch, it's about sheer numbers in the right place at the right time, which I think is working great for us. It's, at least in the league, been three nil-nil draws since he came in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no goals against and yeah, no it's, goals it's for. Good, good, so it's, uh, good defensive record for sure. Yeah, it, it's... It's been strange. I mean, it seemed like we had so many chances. Not so many. We had some solid chances to uh, to score. And I I hate saying this because it's, it sounds like a broken record. But you know, we, have, we have so many guys injured right now that I just wonder if we had, you know, a couple of those guys, Forestieri, Hooper, Fletcher, whatever, uh, you name it. Um, if we had those guys in there, I just wonder if some of those chances would find the back of the net. Uh, and that's not to take anything away from from some of the second team guys. New Hugh, Matthias, uh, Reach obviously works very hard. I, I know he's not a second team guy, but um, not to take anything away from them. I just feel like we're we're set up well, um, and, and I think if we we insert some of the talent we have injured, uh, we might we might be in really good shape. I think I think Josh has us on the right track. Yeah, I think we're just missing too many. Uh, we're, we haven't scored that many goals from midfield this season, and that seems to be a, a, <clears throat> a constant, I don't even know what the word, a constant lack from the team is everyone's taking shots from distance that just kind of aren't going anywhere. And that that just seems, well, I, I don't mean. Or, I mean, in this game, up. they were certainly taking 40-yard speculative yeah. shots pretty much constantly in the second half. Much Recently, we've been at work. Yes. Recently, we've been taking a lot more long distance shots from midfield, and not not all of them have been with the uh, verve that Adam Reach seems to be able to put into his uh, into his long distance strikes. Well, you got Wallace and you've got Joao both doing similar kind of crappy efforts. I mean, Joao's tend to be daisy cutters, and Wallace seems to be Rose Z kind of like uh, chances at the moment. And I feel for Wallace to really do because. Um, he hasn't had a lot of luck this season. He's, he's he's not really pulling things off. He's still trying to make things work, but again, it's just been so underwhelming for me this season, uh, Ross. Um, so I think there was just nothing going forward at all. It was just very static. There was, was a period in the second half. I think we were like four on four. It was was moving forward with some kind of like vigor and speed for once, and we got there. And you just looked and I think the player with the ball looked around. And every single one of the Wednesday players around him was just stopped. And they were being marked by a bro man. And they all looked at each other like a scene from Reservoir Dogs. Like, what do we do now? And then, But no one pulled the trigger. It was like, okay, uh, we don't know what to do now. We're kind of out of ideas. What happens next? And it was just so frustrating to watch us going forward over and over again with just no idea what to do and no movement. And that's what you get when you've got this kind of like uh, mix and match second, third string players playing for you that haven't played together very often. I think Yoss has done a great job at stopping the rot at the back, but there's a whole lot of work to do going forward looking at that performance against Middlesbrough. I think that I remarked the midfield that they had just met each other for the first time that day. And it's <laughs> true to a certain extent. Um, but like Wallace, I feel for Wallace, uh, as you said, Patty, I think he sort of falls into Lubin's camp at this point where he sort of lost that you know, age comes for us all and he's just kind of lost that step or that little bit of uh, agility they didn't have. He can't really create the space for those shots. The shots aren't coming off and he's pressing and, you know, right wing is going to be a, a position we're going to have to look to uh, upgrade in the summer, certainly. Um, I'm sure there were people making the argument we should have done it last summer. I think the biggest issue for me, though, was Zhao is wildly inconsistent as we know as as first reported on this podcast, <laughs> Lucas Yao can be a, a bit of exclusive. a streaky player. It's an Owls Americast exclusive. But if you're going to play a lone striker in this sort of like highly defensive formation, I know we we said in Reading that maybe Newhue shouldn't be the first choice. But if you're going to set up like this, Newhue is the ideal lone man because the ball will actually stick to him. And the biggest problem with Wednesday uh, in this game, although they grew into both halves, but especially early on, they just could not keep possession. They were under constant pressure pressure from Middlesbrough. Conversely, Middlesbrough was finding tons of space in the midfield. 
and they just looked pacier, which they probably were. They looked stronger, which they probably were. And it was just, uh, you know, backs to the wall defending, and it paid off. But, you know, they could have easily been two or three goals clears with the opportunities they had, especially in the second half. Yeah, and we were really lucky. We rode his luck. Um, and to be fair, I will take some luck at this point in the season. We had to have much, with injuries. Uh, well, they hit the bar two or three times, or post two or three times. Sambalanga uh, got... kind of like need balls wide. Yeah, just like the, the shot and the kind of bobble into uh, Wildsmith's hand. I mean, there were some good saves by Wildsmith, don't get me yeah, wrong. He, he had um, a couple of very had... nice ones. Yeah, uh, but they did get behind our fullbacks quite a lot, uh, got a few crosses in. That Triari against Fox, my word. The first 15 minutes, I was like hiding behind my hands. It was terrifying to watch Triari versus Fox because Fox was just wandering around like a lost little boy, like he'd never played football his entire life, like he does quite often sometimes. Um, and then just seeing Triari speed past him without even blinking an eye, he'd gone like two or three yards <laughs> ahead of him. There was, was one, like, there was one moment in the second half where he just chipped it over Fox's head and ran around him while Fox stood twice. there. <laughs> no, no, like, that happened twice. <laughs> twice. Yeah, yeah, two times. It's like, uh, it's like Sunday League defending. It's like there's like I the was, one uh... good Sunday League player that's, you know, like the tricky winger that like is somebody's cousin that played in the Portuguese second division. And just... <laughs> <laughs> I was from uh, uh, personal experience here, Jeff? We had a, <laughs> where I grew up, there were a, uh, I think there were... They weren't Portuguese. They were they were South American. I think it was like Ecuadorian. There was an Ecuadorian 40-year-old 40, 40 like pickup game at the park where I grew up on some weekends. Yeah, and those, those, guys could, uh, those guys could go. <laughs> so I was, on, uh, I was on social on, uh, on Tuesday. And it was yesterday. And so I, every, or each time, I guess we'll start with the first time. The first time that happened... I pulled out my phone, got on Twitter, started typing something out, and realized, like, I don't even know what to say here that's original for Fox. <laughs> like, nothing, All the material nothing, has been used. Right. Nothing I tweet here will surprise anyone, will <laughs> be earth-shattering, so I erased it. And then I kept thinking, what can I say here? And I started typing something else out, and I thought, nah, that's not going to work either. God, Fox sucks. That's that's how I finished. So then it happened a second time, and I was like, "Oh man, I have to say something this time." So I pull out my phone and I type something up, and I realize, like, "Nope, nope, we're not surprised. This All isn't surprising." Being said, yeah, yeah, everything has been said. I mean, it's it, the poor guy. <laughs> just... I think the second time was against Reach, though. I think he might have been against Reach the second okay, time. Okay, it, it may have been actually. I I do remember that, and I remember the camera kind of moved too quickly for me to realize who it was. So you, you could be right. But either way, uh, that first time, he just looked like a lost little boy. The ball went over his head like, oh, no, I've not seen this. What do I do? I don't think, I don't think any of us are watching back that game to figure out if it was Reacher Fox. No. I mean, no, if Bannon's was... back in training, this solves, I think, some of the problems. We can put Reach at left wing back. And while he's not great defensively either he's a little bigger a little stronger a little pacier a little better going a lot better going forward um so as players come off the trainer training table this sort of you know five four one that's sometimes a three five two uh, might work a little bit better so it's midnight right now not midnight here but midnight in in england as we speak um and and i was just going to say we, we were linked with a, a center back uh, from what Manchester City earlier on, and we'll get to that later. But uh, I was, I, and we talked about it last week. I'm curious if we if we can sign a center back if if Pudio can actually move back to left wing back, and we can keep Reach up top, uh, not up top, but uh, in the midfield. Now I know there were some mixed feelings on that, but uh, I'd really really like to see Reach stay in the midfield. But like yeah, you guys, like you guys have said, we can't. If uh, if Fox is our only option at the left back, I would go back. I mean, Poodle hasn't covered himself in glory at left back this this year, but I mean, with Joss Joss there, hopefully um, he's got to be a better option than Fox. I mean, I can't see how he can be a worse option than Fox. I, I'm with you though. Reach has to stay in the middle. He's the only one that's making us tick at the moment going forwards. He, he's wasted on a left wing back. But if he's Bannon, not a good if Bannon's back in the squad, isn't that kind of duplicative? Because Bannon's kind of the the engine room. Uh, but does he have to be? I mean, could he go play a bit deeper and uh, spray around the Hollywood I, uh, board like he I likes to do? I haven't loved him 
uh, playing deeper. I think it works okay if you have Lee in the squad to sort of make those speculative runs in the box, which isn't really something that Reach does. He does like the uh, 35-yard screamer more than sort of putting himself about inside the box and making sort of runs to pull defenders here and there. Or he goes to the to the end line and then tries to cut it back. Yeah. That seems to be his move. I mean, but he does bring the ball forward, doesn't he? Which sure. I, think I mean, it, it, more attacking options in general, people that will, you know, run forward, pass forward. We have plenty of people <laughs> that will shoot forward at this point, maybe too many. <laughs> On target would be great. Yeah. So this was also an opportunity to see uh, our new central defensive midfield signing, Joey Pelopesi in league actions what were the first impressions outside that is a well chiseled man still i'm very well waxed um i i went on record saying i thought he was quite anonymous and then i said i doubled down that by saying he was chasing shadows and then someone tweeted the fact out saying he had the most possession on anyone on the pitch <laughs> somehow we ended up with 51 percent possession in this game which i refuse to believe is actually accurate I think Opta was asleep for this game. I think it was made it <laughs> Fair up. enough. There's, there's, there's no way, apparently, Pelopesi had the most possession on that. After it felt like Middlesbrough had 70% of the possession in this game. Yeah. Um, didn't didn't Joey have two passes that just were to no one and went yeah, out? Went, went yes. behind uh, the winger, yeah. And look, I mean, okay, I, yeah. He wasn't alone on that either. It happened quite a lot. He's but, shown yeah, some he pace. He's shown some ability to make a, make a tackle tracking back, yeah. so... It's a, there's yeah. going to be adjustment period of the championship. It's fine. Well, well and, and that's and exactly what players. I think it is, is, is the adjustment. Uh, he, he'll be fine. He does. He, he has shown signs of, uh, of being a good player, so I'm not too worried at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a, uh, <laughs> another vital point is Wednesday, try to stay out of a relegation battle. Now we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to the voice of Sheffield Wednesday. At least uh, according to American Owls and Owls Across the Globe. Wednesday player, and now I follows, Rob O'Neill. We have a very special guest this week. It'll be a voice very familiar to our American Wednesday fans especially, but really owls all over the globe. It is Rob O'Neill, the voice of the owls on what's now I follow and what we knew recently as Wednesday player. Rob, I'm pretty sure we know the answer to this, but just to confirm, are you a Wednesdayite? I certainly am, yes. It's a bit of a labor of love, the the commentary. Um, I've been in broadcasting for... In nearly 20 years now, but uh, yeah, I'm a Wednesday fan through and through. Well, then we can start with the uh, same opening question we ask every guest, which is, how did you become a Wednesdayite? Well, I think it was more circumstances than anything, because I don't think I was a massive football fan. I think the first game I went to, I was about seven or eight, and um, I think it was a neighbour who was a big Sheffield Wednesday fan, and um, just took me along to a game for the first time, and it was a cracking game to start with because Wednesday won 7-1 against QPR. So you think it's going to be this easy every time. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a sort of first time I, I sort of sampled it. You know, I sort of got the bug straight away. The cracking first um, first game to go to, Rob. Um, so when did you start doing the Wednesday player commentary? It must have been a bit of a dream gig to get to as a Wednesday fan. Yeah, I think I've been doing the commentary I think since 2009 because um, obviously I've been working in the uh, Yorkshire media for quite a while so actually when I started out in radio it was in a, it was a Hallam FM which was obviously a Sheffield based station so I was sort of based in the in the studio doing um, stuff behind the scenes you know with commentaries going out um, obviously I wasn't at the games but my career sort of progressed so I was, I was at Wednesday quite a bit throughout sort of the, the 10 years prior to actually doing the commentary I actually sort of worked for a lot of the local radio stations and I was doing reports and what have you. But the, the chance came around in 2009 because I think the club were looking to bring the commentary in-house um, to work with John Pearson, who obviously I've worked with ever since. And uh, the first game we did as a sort of trial was uh, against Newcastle United. And I think it was Sean McCauley's first game in charge. He was the... Uh, he was the academy manager at the time. He'd just taken over as caretaker. I think it was after Brian Laws had been sacked. So uh, 
we did that went really well and uh, we've been doing all the home games ever since <laughs> well, friend of the pod as well, Sean McCauley. I read one of the four chats previously as well, so it's nice to hear his name again. Uh, it was 2-2 up in the game. I think we, we drew with Newcastle. We went ahead twice, if I remember rightly, and put in a really good account of ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think at that stage, Sean had taken charge, and there was even you know people that weren't against the idea of Sean getting the manager's job at, at one stage. He was unbeaten, wasn't he? I think he had three matches in charge. Something like that. I yeah, he did well, and I think there was a big improvement after what had gone before, because I think we were... We were struggling to get results, if I remember correctly. And um, yeah, he did pretty well. And I know he'd got a really good reputation for the work he'd done in the academy at the time. So, uh, you know, I don't think people were against the idea of him uh, getting the, the full-time gig. Certainly till the end of the season, that was certainly mooted at the time. Yeah. yeah. So do you do anything else for the club nowadays? Or is it mainly just the highlights and the uh, sorry, the commentary you do? Yeah, I mean, I just I just did the, the home games. I mean, I still work within the media Um I do a lot of like freelance video work, so I, I go to press conferences, um, usually around Yorkshire, but sometimes it takes me further afield. Um, you know, I do some freelance reporting as well on, on other games, not as much in recent times because I've got other business interests that are keeping me busy now. Um, but, you know, still being able to, to do the live commentary and, you know, what my real true passion is really, you know, is, is great. And the fact it's Wednesday is like a double whammy. Do you regard it as work still, though? Because it feels like a bit of a, I don't know, it's, I don't know how it would be like, you're obviously quite emotional when you, when you come into it anyway, but you're not as emotional as John Pierce, obviously. Uh, do, you, do you think it's like a job still? Is it kind of like a bit like a, I don't know, is, do you still feel like a fan commentating? Living a, a no, dream I, job? I, treat, I treat myself as a professional broadcaster first and foremost, because as I say, I was, you know, that was my career. That's, that's what I set out to do when I was sort of 18. Um, so I've been doing it a fair while. But obviously, when it's Wednesday, you can't help but let your true feelings sort of <laughs> out, and uh, you know sometimes that's very apparent in you know gold clips. Although I think we, I like to think we're quite fair as well between the two of us because you know, for example, the other day when Atty Newey scored that goal, both of us thought the goal was offside, and we kind of said it. So you know we don't just um, you know maybe have Wednesday glasses on all the time and, and see it in blue and white glasses all the time. We we do I think try and bring a bit of balance. Yeah, of course you're going to get partisan and stuff, and you know maybe. Uh, your own allegiances do bleed over a little bit. But no, I like to think, I, I, I try to be fair and, and call it as I would do. Um, obviously, with it being your own team, you do get, I suppose, disappointed and frustrated and what have you. But you also have to get a balance as well because, you know, you've got to say positive things as well at times and, and not always sort of dwell on the negative, which you might do, you know, when you're watching in, in, in the crowd, you might not be happy with a certain individual's performance. But, you can't be seen to be dissing an individual and, and I wouldn't go down that road because obviously everyone has a, has a blip but I think as well when you, you're doing it for the club there's, there's a bit of a line you have to uh, probably not cross. Yeah. Have you ever been well, told it's... off first of all I mean kind of like uh, reprimanded by the club for being too negative or anything like that? Um, I don't know what I can say to that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was, there was one instant going back um, with a former manager who I'll let you guess who it was. I don't think you can see it. Um, say we can probably pressure. figure it out. He was under pressure at the time, and I think he was a little bit touchy about a lot of things, and, and that's where I'll leave that. That's rough work. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something, though. The reason I got in trouble wasn't because of my opinion, either. Um, you know, we used to like get a lot of emails coming in, and we read them out. It was actually somebody else's message that I was reading out, and sometimes you edit it as you go along, but uh, I kind of said it and then realised it was a little bit negative, and it was that that caused me a bit of a problem. <laughs> So blame the fans, blame the fans. But it wasn't even my, it wasn't even my opinion. That was, that was the thing. And I actually told the, the guy in question, he was chatting to me on Facebook the other week. And uh, I said, do you know you actually got me in trouble? Um, <laughs> you have to use a bit of a balance, maybe more than you might do if you're working for, you know, an independent media. Because obviously you don't want to slaughter players that, you know, you're, you're supposed to be kind of on the inside in, in a way. So you kind of don't want to do that. I mean, I, I have opinions and sometimes you have to keep them in check what what i might think and what i might you know uh, believe i don't necessarily come out with it you know um i think you you have to kind of almost edit yourself as you're going along so wednesday fans this year especially in the u.s are spoiled by having all the games on tv on iFollow. but i have to admit i do and i'm sure i speak for a lot of american wednesday fans miss you and john pearson on commentary so is there any 
plans to add the audio to the video feed? It's actually more technical than you would imagine um, because you have to, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it goes to different places before it comes out at your end. And it's to do with digital and I, and I can't really um, describe it very easily. And, you know, you think you'd just be able to, to match it up and, and away you go, but it isn't because when you think about the, the stream that you're watching uh, worldwide, that footage is going to everybody. So whether it's on the TV in England, whether it's on the TV in America or in Norway, wherever it's going to, they'll dub their own commentary over the top from um, usually from a remote station. So it could be from, you know, the studios in Preston, because that's where all the, all the feed goes into the company in Preston. And then they send it out via the website and people can pick it up for their own needs. So it's technically more challenging because they obviously want to keep the crowd effects um, clean um, so that it doesn't have another commentator's voice over the top of it. So you, you start getting into um, a, a difficult area, really, to try and provide that that sort of uh, situation. I mean, there was one solution, I think, that was spoken about. And I think another club um, that I know of, I think it's Lincoln City, they actually have another commentator that watches the pictures um, and then provides a, a separate commentary to the ones that they have doing the the audio stream only. And that's actually, I think, done actually somebody's house. I think he's, he's in his own studio or something. So you start getting into a, a different sort of area. So you could have a commentator, but it wouldn't be me or John because one or the other would have to give. So it, it's not that easy. Um, we were going to do it for the Rangers pre-season friendly because we could have done it. Because all you do is you, you'd run a cable directly into the camera. And because that game was purely for subscribers to iFollow, um, you could you could have done it on that one occasion. But if we'd done it once, and then the week after we've got a league game, you kind of set the expectation that that's going to be there every week. So um, I think that the call was made that perhaps let's not do that until um, a way is kind of uh, thought of that we can actually uh, combine the two. So I know people have got round it. One way that people are doing is, is effectively opening two channels. So you've got the audio feed and the video feed, and you almost have to delay it. So if you sort of pause the um, the footage or the or the commentary, you basically have to sync them up. So you have to mess about. But I know people are doing that. Yeah, so I, I know that I did it at least at the beginning of the year. And then I don't know if, if it just doesn't work on my computer or what, but it, but it stopped letting me do that. Um, and, and I definitely, uh, miss the voices, you know, you and you and John are fun to listen to. In fact, you've really, you two have been, so I've, I've been listening to Wednesday through, uh, through Wednesday player since 2000, well, it's the first year in the championship. That's when I, I got back into it and, um, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, so you, so you were my first introduction to listening to Wednesday and into really following and so those voices that they, they're nostalgic for me and uh, I definitely appreciate the the way you guys paint the the game um, in fact my first memory it was the very first game in the championship and I don't remember who scored the goal but we needed a goal at the end I think to to draw even and I think it was maybe you remember the 88th or 89th minute when we finally scored and I heard you know John obviously loses his mind when we score and, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you went crazy as well so um, you know, we, we definitely miss it, but, but I'm curious, you know, that's, that's one of my highlights is hearing that, but what are some of the, uh, some moments that stick out for you? I'm sure you've heard some, or you've, you've been a part of some great moments and some, some dismal ones as well. Uh, what are some moments that stick out for you? I think the Sheffield Derby was a good one down at Bramble Lane, actually, when Wednesday came back from 2-0 down and, um, you know, we really got very excited with that. That was, that was a great you know, um, occasion as it always is when you got the Sheffield Derby. Um, that 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 was great to do. I think the um, the one that kind of stands out was when Kieran Lee. I think he did it twice. He got a couple of late goals. I think once was against Wigan. Was it last season? And um, we certainly did lose our minds on uh, on those goals going in because I think we'd come from behind again to kind of turn it right around. And um, you know, I think the commentary clips I've heard uh, dotted around on on Twitter and what have you. And, you know, every now and then someone posts it up, and I hear it again. And it, you know, that was that was good. We we enjoyed that. I mean, the interesting thing is, you know, when John's, um, should we say, frustrated with what's going on or whatever, because I'll ask him a question and he'll just go quiet because you can tell he, he he's he's got kind of in the zone and he's he's frustrated with what's going on and he can't speak his mind. And it's the same with me a, a little bit, but obviously I always have to talk my way through it and, and obviously give you um, a bit of a coverage of of what's going on on the field, but. 
you know, there are times where you, you get a little bit frustrated. You know, I've seen the highs, you know, promotion, you know, were, was great coming out of the leagues. I've seen this going up and down the leagues, you know, too often, really. Um, hopefully we can get back to the Premier League. It's been an awful long time since we were there. And, uh, yeah, I can remember the relegations as well. So, yeah, I've been through the whole gamut of uh, emotions with Wednesday. So you, you mentioned John and, uh, you know, obviously on our end, we, we, we hear him when, he, when he's happy, we hear him when he's not. And, and he's just quite the, the interesting character. Uh, I think he, he kind of um, it captures what we're all feeling and speaks it out loud. And so it's, it's nice to have him. But I'm curious what he's like in real life. You know, is he, is he a, a moody fellow in real life? Or what, what's your experience with him? I think he's really happy-go-lucky, is John. Um, you know, uh, I think what what you probably hear on the, the radio is, is, is largely John. You know, I think his his emotions come right out. I mean, he's a he's a Wednesday. You know, he, he lived the dream really. You know, played for the team. He now works at the club as well. He has a, a role uh, in the community, um, and obviously he does the commentary, which he's done on radio, and obviously for uh, the dedicated service on I follow as well for probably twenty years or more. So. You know, um, I think John is pretty much what what you see is what you get with John. That, that's what I said about the emotions. You, you know, you know when when he's really happy and elated. You know, it, it, you hear it in his voice, and likewise, you hear when he's frustrated and you know things aren't going our way. I mean, he, he does also love to to occasionally you know get to be a fan, so to speak, because you know whilst you hear him celebrating the goals and you know getting wrapped in the moment, I think there are times where he wants to be you know on the terrace, you know, like you you know, we all want to do, like we all want to do. Sometimes you, you like to be the fan and able to get involved in the songs and everything like that. Because he, he always goes quiet, if you ever noticed, before the kickoff, he likes to hear kind of that that um, raucous sound as, as everyone comes out of the tunnel. And, um, you know, he, he gets caught up in that moment. So I think there are times where he quite likes just stepping away from the radio at times and just uh, taking in the game like everyone else. I think it's obvious to, to listen to the radio and uh, listen to you, your voices. That's kind of the case, and it's uh, great to hear you say that as well. Um, so kind of turn into the current season then, Rob. Um, you don't really often get a chance to have your own opinion, like you say, if you're um, being watched by the club. So what are your thoughts on this season so far um, and the kind of transition over to Jos uh, in the last few weeks? Um, I think it's interesting. I mean... I was. I've done a couple of um, radio and TV programs um, in the sort of Sheffield area. Where I asked in the past about what I thought about the way the club was going and, and you know the the team. And we saw some great football under Carlos, particularly that that first season. I mean, that was some of the best football we've seen for an awful long time. Last season, it was hard work. Um, I'll be honest that I didn't really enjoy the football. Well, we got into the playoffs, so you know it's kind of almost mission accomplished. Obviously, we fell at the last hurdle, so to speak, or the last but one. I think it probably was the right time for me in the summer. I think we should have made the change. That's my personal feeling on it. And, and it was, because I know there was discussions and that's what I personally felt. But obviously, you, you back the guy, he's in charge, then he, he deserved another crack of a third season if, if you look at look at it that way. But it, it was really hard work again for the first four or five months. I, I just thought that, we needed a change. And football's like that. I mean, it's the same with players as well, isn't it? Because I think you have to keep freshening things up because they hear the same voice. You know, a manager can only have an impact so often. Even even looking at, you know, clubs like Manchester United over the years with Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, he always got rid of the big stars, perhaps when nobody else would have got rid of them. You know, the likes of Beckham, you know, moved on when he still seems to be in his prime. But, you know, he did that. He sold them because he... Maybe just got, I don't know, a little sign that perhaps they were getting too big for the boots or they just needed to freshen it up and change. So he's done that as well, of course, with coaching staff. I think Mike Phelan, you know, was his assistant, but he had different assistants as well over the over the time at Man United. And I think, I think we've just got a bit stale and I think that maybe, you know, fresh ideas, a different voice in the change room. And we're seeing it now in the first month that there has been an impact with basically the same players. And I think... I think we probably needed that. And I think at the moment, I'm, I'm delighted with the way that we're working defensively. I think you can see the steel in the organisation. It's just getting that other side of the game right now. We need to find a little bit of a cutting edge that's slightly lacking. But um, I think, yeah, it's definitely, he's on the right tracks. And I'm very, very pleased with, you know, the early impacts of uh, Josh Luque. 
Yeah, that's great. Hey, I, I do have just one more question before we get out of here. You know, there's a lot of uh, talk on Twitter about Carlos potentially coming back. What are uh, what are your thoughts about that? Are you kind of excited? You think it's too soon? Well, what are you thinking? Um, well, I think you know Notts County is the the first hurdle. You know, they've yeah. got to negotiate because they're they're doing all right under Kevin Nolan. So I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion. I know it's been picked for TV coverage of this game, and um, that's in England. Um, and that kind of is like an assumption that everyone thinks that it's going to be that fixture and we're going to play against Carlos you know, straight away, pretty much. Do you remember there was a few seasons ago when we had the chance to play Sheffield United in the FA Cup and uh, we forgot Charlton might have other ideas and um, <laughs> that's what happened. So I was you know, so mad at that game. I was so mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morgan Fox was playing, I think, for uh, Charlton on that night as well. And um, yeah, I mean... It's not a foregone conclusion. It'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, we're seeing already that Carlos is having a, a good impact at Swansea. And, you know, I think he does that. I think you look at his track record, not just at Wednesday, but I think he goes into a club and he tends to do well to start with. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll be looking forward to it if it happens. But, you know, maybe one or two of those players in the team, they might be looking forward to it because... Carlos said something shortly after he went about the kind of fringe players that they kind of knew that they weren't his first picks and maybe somebody else would have more impact because he could motivate those guys to, to get a result. And maybe Carlos had his favourites and had his first 11 and they knew that he'd go back to that team. And he, he sort of hinted at that as maybe being a factor in why results this season haven't been so good with all the injury problems that we've had. Perhaps he couldn't get the best out of the guys that weren't the first 11. So there might be uh, five or six of those that are in the team thinking, well, we'll show you. So I think it could be a really interesting fixture. And um, I actually think we could beat them. Good stuff, Rob. Well, hey, uh, that's all we have for you. We definitely appreciate you coming on, but uh, I'd like to just take this chance to, to thank you very much for uh, just bringing Wednesday alive to me and so many other Americans for and and obviously Europeans, but um, for us personally, it's just been so great to to listen to your coverage for so many years. Uh, it's it's frustrating, you know, it's each Saturday or Tuesday or whenever we play when when we can't watch the club. And and it's been so nice to to have your personality and John as well, uh, bringing that to life and doing it so well uh, in such a beautiful way. And so it, you know, for me and, and the rest of American fans, I, we thank you for for everything you've done. No, that's great to say that. Because I mean, as I say, all we're trying to do is is call it in a way you know that you guys would expect. Because you know, if we are getting carried away and enjoying it, that's because it's great to watch. If it's hard work and the performance isn't the best, then we'll call it that way. So you, you can tell that the game. I think from just the maybe not the description sometimes, but from the actual feelings that we're we're conveying. I mean, I remember just just a little story just to round off. You you sent me an email in the week about kind of my lows. And I remember doing one game for Sheffield Wednesday before I did uh, the iFollow service and I was working on radio and I was clearly obviously annoyed with the performance. We lose, I think, 4-0 at Forest. And uh, they crossed to me to get an update and uh, my report lasted about three seconds. Basically, I went um, um, something like woeful, woeful, woeful. And one more to give you the, sc the scoreline, woeful. And that was it. That's literally all I said because, you know, I was at my wit's end at that point. Before day, and you just wanted to get out there and you knew you still had another 40 minutes to go. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's also the... I always like the funny story as well, like listening to you guys as well. When we first um, came to do the New York Owls in New York, we, um, I think it was the uh, the relegation season, uh, sorry, the surviving relegation season. We just needed a, uh, a draw at least to keep us up, mm. and we didn't. It wasn't on TV, so we agreed to meet up in the uh, in the bar anyway and put you on a speaker in a bucket, which is now patented uh, New York Owls trick of putting a speaker in a bucket to get my amplification. Right. Um, but as we can't actually hear your words, it was such a busy bar and loud noises. We had to re rely on the emotions coming out. If you screamed, we knew we scored a goal. If you went a bit quiet, it was like nothing was happening. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you, you, you know, when, when John's, when obviously when John gets excited, he drowns me out on the goals more often than not. <laughs> so you can't even hear who scored because he, he's totally taking me out on that. One of the best goals I actually did was, um, was before I was... Um, doing it for Wednesday I was doing it again on radio and uh, it was a Sheffield derby Lloyd Owusu scored 
and uh, they recorded it back at the studio. And I don't know whether they recorded it slightly too loud in the computer or what, but it, I kind of got really loud, and like, I don't even know whether the dogs would be able to hear the sound <laughs> I made when Uwusu scored. Uh, I'll have to dig that clip out for you, but uh, that, that certainly came out pretty nicely. So that, that really did sum up my passion for Wednesday. Awesome. Yeah, it's often it's often uh, John yelling, go on, go on, yes! <laughs> You know, it's it's so awesome to hear. It's so awesome. And, and again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, some Wednesday news. It's transfer deadline day. It is transfer deadline day, which is apparently actually at 11 p.m., not midnight. They seem like they change it every year. Uh, Wednesday did not do anything, so I guess we're going to do a roundup of rumors that didn't happen, folks. Exciting. It, it is Yay. very exciting. Uh, <laughs> Sunderland was in for two of Wednesday's strikers, both Addie Newhue and Jordan Rhodes on loan. But we kept uh, the strike pair together, Patty. Not that they yeah, ever I actually played together. I got a little bit worried um, about the Rhodes loans. It got really far towards the last hour of the transfer deadline day where he was linked to just about every single club in the league, which I think tends to happen with Rhodes every single transfer window anyway, doesn't it? Right? Regardless of who he's with at the time, it just something happens the last hour where everyone's like, he's been touted around. But anyway, thankfully we kept all the Rhodes. It made no sense to me to loan him out, um, even if just to balance the books for a few, a few months. It makes no sense. Let's keep him at the club. Let's try and um, get him into a system that works. If it doesn't work, then I'd rather have him on the bench for us than playing for Ipswich or Sunderland or Wolves uh, and helping them out or not helping them out, whatever it be. Assi, I thought, had more legs um, than the Rose rumour. Uh, I think uh, that would have made great sense to get rid of Atti at this point. I think he's out of contract in the summer. Uh, so to get any money for Atti would be a bonus at this point uh, on a rare spurt of form for him. So I think we should have cashed in if that had happened, but it didn't. Uh, but I'm happy to say, I'm happy to keep him here. I'm happy both to stay here. Um, but I just find it quite funny that Sunderland are after both Atty and Rhodes. <laughs> I mean, how desperate are they? Very desperate. <laughs> this was the only time I'll have to say this name on the show because they did not actually get him on loan. They were the once they were in on Manchester City defender Tosin Adara Bioyo. Brilliant. Oh, that was impressive. I'm Damn. never doing that again. Yeah. It didn't happen. I liked never it. doing it again. Some Being tangential helped. Wednesday news. Uh, ben Marshall passed his medical, assumedly, and joined <laughs> no wall. Um, and Gary Medine, $6 million. Moving pounds. to Cardiff City. That's that almost can't 10 be pounds. That's almost $10 million. Okay, That's $10 million. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, $6 million yeah. pounds sterling. Well, wasn't Neil Warlock taking the piss earlier? Yeah, I said Warlock, by the way. We it's noticed. Fine. We all noticed. Uh, okay. It is, it is epic banter, if it is banter. I think it is. He's just yeah. winding us up. Yeah. He's going to take Gary Medine to Premier League yeah. and just like just start flagging us off. Oh, man. Please don't there's, there's no way that Gary Medine is playing in the Premier League. <laughs> With Cardiff That's... and Neil Warnock. I mean, you yeah. would have said that about Benekafobe, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's probably oh, true, God. yeah. yeah. They all come back to haunt us. Is, is there a worse person in this world than, than Neil Warnock? <laughs> Guy Medine comes pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'd be the perfect pair. Then It's too bad they're not together. Oh, dear. I mean, there's also Steve Evans, if you want to go, uh, mm. go down hey. that road. Warnock at least seems to have a sense of humor about himself and his role in English football, which I vaguely appreciate. Not enough yeah. to like... Did you see in the news today? You said that he wants uh, his funeral. He wants people to sing Warnock as a wanker. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, done. He's, he's, he's a panto villain, so he's, he's a yeah, great yeah. panto villain. Yeah. Yep, done deal. Speaking of villains, I'll sing it all day. We bring Birmingham City to town this week. James is not here to do a match preview. We've already, I think, gone in depth on this show in the West Midlands. Many, many West Midlands locations have been covered. Um, so I guess we're going to do an actual match preview, Patty. A preview um, of the match. Well, uh, kind of, I assume. I mean, Birmingham are as bad as we are, worse. Um, 
so that's that's basically my match preview. Is uh, <laughs> we've done, we were almost about Birmingham, which is bad. But actually, they hit a bit of form recently. They've got three wins in the last five games, which is better than what we're doing. Um, but we're at home. You'd expect us to win. Um, I think we will win. I think it'll be one or two nil. Um, regardless of who Yoss plays, we seem to be playing a similar kind of uh, fashion at the moment. So the, everyone's fighting. Might not be the prettiest game to watch. Um, it certainly won't be uh, shown on any TV stations across the world, so we're on iFollow again. Um, but I, I can see us squeaking, squeaking a 1-0 win here at least. Birmingham City is actually my, my favourite story from the last two years because uh, I think it was just last year they were in the top six or top eight in the league and they decided, hey, we have to fire the manager because he's not getting the job done. And now all of a sudden they're in a relegation battle uh, just you know less than a year later. <laughs> and so it's just like... Uh, it seems like they're in shambles, and the only reason I think it's funny is because I, um, I, I know a few Birmingham City fans, and and they're they're all just to say it nicely. I just don't like any of them, so uh, it's that it's good very for nice. Me. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, it, it was nice compared to what I could say. So uh, it's nice to see that the club struggling a bit. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know Patty's right. They've they've been playing well in the last few matches, and uh, it seems like every time we get together, it's a bit um, a bit interesting. A lot of those guys don't like Barry Bannon, um, mainly because he, he played for Villa for for a while, and uh, there's obvious obvious rivalry there. Uh, unfortunately, I don't Is think it Bannon's going to be rivalry. <laughs> Why aren't Is they it... like five? five minutes apart from each other yes i'm saying the two clubs you know one club is much larger and has a bigger history and is better than the other there's no much there's there's no uh you know parallel situation in any other yeah towns in england (laughs) yeah so uh it's it's a pretty especially how things are going now i think it's a pretty unexciting matchup um you know if we're gonna play for a nil-nil draw again then you know sit back and uh, it would be early in the morning, so I just. Uh, I mean, I you know, it's, we'll it's one the, of those you just, one of those you just turn on the TV and, and sit back and, and let it go. And I expect we'll see whatever. the the three five two slash five three two back again. This is a game that I think they feel like they should win, and I think they'll set up to win one nil instead of a nil nil draw. You think Rhodes starts this this weekend? I don't know. Um, if Matthias was healthy, I would start Newhue and Matthias. If Hooper was healthy, I would start Newhue and Hooper. Um, I don't think either <laughs> of those are. Yeah, no, neither of those seem particularly likely. Uh, it's possible Bannon and Orleans might be ready, which could could tweak the lineup slightly. I, if you're I starting would, uh... two at the front, the problem is like, and Matthias isn't healthy. You essentially have three fit strikers in Rhodes, Newhue, and Jow, and the logical combination there is Jow and Rhodes. But, you know, maybe try reach up front if you want to get really creative. You know, Carlos has done it in the past, and he can play more as a sort of a second striker. I, I would go I would go Rhodes and Matthias if Matthias is healthy. And then uh, if that doesn't seem to be working out, take Rhodes out for, for Nuhiu in the last 30. Um, if Matthias isn't healthy, then, then maybe Rhodes and, and Zhao. For a little bit, and again, if that doesn't work, maybe at halftime. Or, <laughs> I just feel like, I just feel like we've seen Rhodes and Jow so much at this point, and it really hasn't I, ever come off. Sure, I just and I mentioned it earlier in the pod. I just really, really like Newhu at the end of the match. You know, I like I like yeah. to see all that energy out there, that that effort out there at the end. I think he he really scares a lot of teams and makes them uncomfortable in the back. And and if we can get him with full energy for for a half hour when a couple guys are, are getting tired legs i think he surprises a few a few people so I, I, um, this is the hockey ever this is the hockey you can't just keep changing your forward line every 20 minutes <laughs> i didn't say i'm not saying i'm not saying hey throw throw who you on in the, the the 30th minute take him out for a little bit put him back in the 60th <laughs> it's not it's not how it works i'd love it if it did um but no i know i'm just someday I'm just saying we'll get new that. yeah i'm just saying new you at the end I mean, um, to be fair, Evan, he did score two fairly quick goals against Reading, which put you in a bit of an uncomfortable position. Oh, man, I had the tattoo drawn up and everything. I mean, <laughs> I was ready. I was looking at flight prices. I was ready to fly out to New York, and uh, I was looking for tattoo parlors there as well. So that's For those who don't know, Evan, score. after Newhue's first goal, 
I mentioned that we would get to because our king of social, Patty Jones, got us to 1,000 followers <laughs> while doing social on the Reading game. I said, and somebody asked me when we get to 2,000, I said only if New Hue would score a hat trick. And I said, if New Hue scored a hat trick, he would fly out to New York and buy all of Patty's drinks at a meetup. And now, to be fair, Evan has never been to a meetup with Patty. The bar tab might have been more than the flight. <laughs> <laughs> I said I said three drinks, one for was every it three goal drinks. Score. All right, fair enough. Yes, because I took that into account. I know Patty well yeah, enough yes. to know that we we had a podcast two days after one of his drinking excursions, <laughs> and he still he still couldn't make the podcast because he was too hungover. Lies. So that's your Birmingham preview. We see a boring but solid one nil win for Wednesday. Do we have any other business? Yeah, we've got two bits um, this week. Uh, the first one is not so uh, is not so great news, unfortunately. We wanted to pass on our um, wishes to uh, Ian Tootle and his, his his family. He passed away recently, uh, suffering cancer. He was the uh, Wednesday fan that you might remember that climbed Everest with cancer. He was the first everyone first person to climb Everest with cancer, and he passed away last week. So uh, we're sending all our regards onto uh, Ian and his family. Uh, just really, really sad. Um, obviously, a great guy and loved on both sides of the city. Uh, so yeah, all our best to his family. The slightly happier news is that I'd like to uh, talk a bit more about Owls Americas. So the past few months, we launched Owls Americas, I think in August. Uh, we wanted to bring Owls fans across the continent together. Um, we wanted to uh, enable fans to start their own supporters groups. Uh, and I think we've uh, done okay at that so far, but I think we've been pretty hard on ourselves to make sure we uh, improve uh, going forward. So we've got this uh, new thing we're starting this week. It's called uh, uh, City, Re- City Reps. I'll have to get the words out. It's called City Reps. Um, and we're asking people uh, across the Americas to come forward and be a representative for Wednesday in your city. And what that means is uh, you could be a lone person um, that wants to meet other Wednesday fans um, whether they're passing through your city or whether they're maybe living there, you didn't know about them. Um, what we want to do is create a directory on alzamericas.com of representatives. Uh, and we've already got around 20 people signed up. So as well as our supporter groups, which get together most weeks, uh, these reps will be available um, to answer questions about the city, uh, speak to other fans that are in the area, and just start like, planting that seed for a support group to get and get a gathering of people to go regularly. But um, yeah, so that's the kind of idea. We want to start off the, uh, around the big cities. We've got uh, DC signed up, we've got LA signed up, we've got uh, some of the people you've heard on the podcast have signed up, so like Neil in San Diego, Laura, um, and uh, Tommy uh, we heard last, last uh, few weeks ago with the, the Charleston lot. So if you're ever in America and you want to watch a Wednesday game, you come to hoursamericas.com and look up the reps in the city you're visiting. And then get in touch, and hopefully you can have a little bit of meet up and watch the Wednesday game together. So uh, that's that's the plan. And if you're in America uh, and you haven't signed up to be a city rep, then send us an email on owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at owlsamericas.com and find us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. And the podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayite find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. Luke is on Twitter at LukeAH. Luke, you got a proper introduction this week, but is there anything else you would like the uh, Owls AmeriCast listeners to know about you? Uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, no. That's fair. Evan, I kind of sprung that <laughs> on you. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, what would you have estimated Patty's bar tab to be if you flew out here to uh, buy him some drinks? Boy, I think... Uh, I bet Patty could run it up to 50 or $75 on oh, his shit. own. <laughs> You haven't been to New York probably. Yeah, I was going to say, you haven't seen New oh, York Oh, that's probably. true, that's true. <laughs> We're not true. adjusting for here, cost of living. If you yeah. came here, that would be about right. But yeah, I, how much is a typical beer at, like at Legends? 
Well, Legends is different because we just basically get freebies all the time. So my my beer tab at Legends don't is don't say that on air. air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Jackie, Legend. Uh, <laughs> whoop whoop. Yeah, I mean it's eight bucks a beer in New York yeah, standard. Eight bucks. Oh my god. Yeah. I, last night I had uh, two beers at a, a bar up here and it cost me six. So uh, wow. Eight yeah. bucks. So yeah, we're we're looking at one fifty or two hundred. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, where are the meetups this weekend? Well, as you might expect for the uh, rip roaring event of Birmingham City versus Sheffield Wednesday in the lower half of the championship, there's only one meetup this week, and it, it's ourselves in New York at uh, Niles on 52nd Street. It's our second bar, and it's a family day. So if you're under 21 or have kids, you can bring them along and suffer along with us. <laughs> this is how you pass the fandom on to the next generation. You make them watch Birmingham City against Sheffield Wednesday. It's a, it's a great sales event for it Sheffield is. Wednesday, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure as last time, the kids will all be watching the Premier League games on the other TVs. <laughs> yeah. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week for a what is sure to be thrilling review of the Birmingham City game. Sasso finds Reach, beat your man and whip it in. Adam Reach, can he be the match winner? He plays it back instead for Wallace. Wallace, one last. Get it into the box, it goes in now towards Kieran Lee. Come on, Lee! Kieran Lee! Yeah! 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 Right at the death! It's Kieran Lee! That must be 95 minutes (laughs) on the clock. Wednesday have won this, they were 2-0 down. They had a man sent off. Bristol missed the penalty. Wednesday win this one by three goals to two. football that has been look at the scenes over there Kieran Lee the mini pitch invasion 